Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. God bless everyone this morning. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Weather's getting better as well. But listen, as summertime comes, let's not forsake the gathering together as some make it, the word of God says, a habit of doing. Amen. So let's come. Let's worship God and then go out and have a great time and enjoy God's creation. Amen. Listen, this morning, I'm going to have you stand to your feet. I got a word that I want to share with you that's been burning in my heart. And I believe that it's something that's a, what that every so often there's a rhema word that God gives you a word for now, a word for this moment. There's a Logos word that's a general word, but then every so often, God places an anointing upon a Logos word to become a rhema word, a now word, a word for this moment. And I believe we're in a season right now that we need a now word for the next season that we're about to step into. Years ago, I spoke a message called We Got Next. And we talked about We Got Next, and it's a message I've even shared to the NFL. Whenever I go to speak to the NFL teams, this was a word that I always carried with me. But the past couple weeks as I've been in prayer, I kept hearing that We Got Next, We Got Next, We Got Next. And I want to share with you this morning on this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to read in verse 15, and I want to take you somewhere. So we're going to go through a little journey, so stay with me, okay? Stay with me as I take you through this morning. I'm going to, like a lawyer, I'm going to state my case this morning, and I'm going to begin to bring some evidence. I'm going to lay some things down for you, and at the conclusion, I want you to make the verdict. I want you to make make that decision as to where we go from here. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, God shows up and speaks to Moses. How many are grateful for God's word? How many are grateful that in seasons in your life, God shows up and God speaks to you? And this is where Moses is at. And God comes up and God gives Moses a word. And he says this, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob, and notice this, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and the name you shall call on me from generation to generation. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. 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 Everyone shout, we got next. We got next. Come on, say it again. We got next. We got next. You may be seated. Wait, what, where have you heard that word, we got next? <laughs> Rather about to knock someone out, man. <laughs> Tell you to have to play basketball in a moment. <laughs> chest, chest. You talk about basketball. Right now, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. And whenever you hear, we got next, 
across courts in America, wherever you go, whether it be at, at the gym, whether it be on a, on a playground, you'll hear someone shout out, we got next. And when you shout, we got next, what you are literally saying is that we are, that you're, you're stating a purpose. Number one, you're stating your purpose, you're stating that you're prepared, and you're stating your position. You're stating this, number one, I'm prepared, I'm ready to go. You're stating your position that I'm next in line, and you're also stating the, the reason that you're there, that I'm here to play basketball, and I'm ready to get on the court. I need us to understand something, that we are a generation today that has to make a declaration and tell the world that we got next, that we're ready to step up. Listen, the world and their systems have had their chance. They've already done their thing with the world, and the body of Christ needs to rise up in this season and say, you've had your way. Socialism has had its way. The world has had its way. The political system has had its way. But now it's time for the kingdom of God to rise up and tell the systems of this world that we got next. Somebody shout, we got next. I don't know about you, but the NBA playoffs are starting right now. They're, they're, mid, they're, they're going on. In fact, the next division of the next uh, level of, of the divisional rounds are going right now. But I, I wanted to stop before we even got. We talk about generation to generation. Everyone say generation. generation. We talk about generation. I look at the NBA and I, I how many recognize this individual right here? Bill Russell, one of the greatest ball players to ever play. Not only was he great, but he was a champion. Look, look at those credentials. What about this guy? Look, look, at, look at the accomplishments, the accolades, the things that this man has accomplished. But a thing that blows me away is that he averaged. Today, we, we celebrate when a player scores 50 points in a game. He averaged in a season 50 points a game. One time scoring 100 points a game. This, this dude was bad. And sometimes we forget the previous generation. We look at ball players today and say, man, this guy was the best. This guy's, a, and we forget about those that went before. Without the foundation of the generation before, we have no generation now. Oh, come on, somebody gotta hear me. They segue from Larry Bird to Magic Johnson. They take the mantle, and then we saw this new kid come on the block that looks something like this. Considered now to be the greatest player to ever lace him up. He is, he is right now an owner of an NBA team. Because not because of the money he made while playing, but because of his shoes. And the money he's made marketing as well. But one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And there's always an argument, who's better, him or LeBron? And, and, the, the, and everyone has an opinion. You're already shouting your opinion. I didn't even ask for it. <laughs> That's the problem with America today. Everyone's given an opinion and no one asks for your opinion. Especially when it comes to the word. I'm just messing with you because sports, sports is just one of those things we love. And then we see him kind of passing it on. You see Shaq and then this individual that Shaq played with. May he rest in peace. But after him... See, 
no one's career lasts forever. When Moses stood before the burning bush, God stands there and says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you. It's generational. See, it didn't stop with, with, with Wilt. It didn't stop with Bill. It didn't stop with Jordan. It didn't stop with Kobe. In fact, it continued on with this guy right here who we always argue between Jordan and LeBron. Some of you in the Bay Area may consider this guy to be your best player around. But even he's old. He's not a kid anymore. And there's a whole new generation that is coming up of incredible ball players. Take a look at this. Some incredible, talented young men that are coming up. But what am I telling you? What's that all about? You see, just as God is, if God is a God of generations, everyone shout generations. generations. Then the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of generations as well. That the kingdom's generational. It goes from glory to glory. But it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. You have to be deliberate in passing on what God has given to you to the next generation and to the next generation and to the generation after. We can't take the promise of God and die with the promise. you got to make sure that what God shares with you, that you share it with others. If the promise God gave you, you've accomplished in your lifetime it's not a big enough promise because God calls a man he doesn't call the man he calls the generations inside of him when God saw Abraham and called him out of Haran he didn't see just Abraham he already saw Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes after that he saw a man we saw a man God saw generations what am I telling you? See, I need you to, to grab a hold of this this morning. In fact, Jordan and Brother Dave, if you guys would come on up here real quick. I want you to notice something. When God calls a person, he doesn't call the individual. He calls the generations. When God called Abraham, Isaac was already inside of him. He was already in here. When the promise was given to him, it was automatically calling him out as well. And the generation of Jacob as well. I need you to understand that it's bigger than you. Why, why do you have to succeed? Why do you have to overcome? It's because of the fact that what we're passing on, instead of passing on debt, instead of passing on addiction, instead of passing on curses, instead of passing on bad habits, why can't we start getting back to passing on promise? Hope. Faith. And when I look at the father, I can see the, I can see, I look at the son, I can see the father in the sun. And we had a conversation outside as your son gets ready to transfer out of the house. 
as he's getting ready to establish his own home. His dad said, he's ready. Not, yeah, he's not kicking him out. I know how much he loves his father. But dad realizes that the season has come for that transition to take place. And he can know that his son is going to a new place. And he can go there with hope, knowing that the, what he has instilled in his son, the values, the standard, the love for God, the, 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 the passion for God is going to carry on in his son. It's bigger than you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys. See, the Bible is a book of generations. Whether we're talking about Moses to Joshua, whether we're talking about Eli to Samuel, whether we're talking about Elijah to uh, Elisha or Samuel to David, whether we're talking Jesus to the disciples or even Paul to Timothy, generational things is what the word of God is all about. The promise can't die with you. You see, I need you to understand, Dad, Mom, faith has to be shared. It can't be forced. It has to be shared. What do I mean by it? It has to be modeled. Kids don't do what we say. They do what we... They don't do what we say. They do what we... The next generation isn't going to do what we tell them to do. They're going to do what they see us doing. So I want you to understand something, that in the Jewish culture, it was the father's responsibility to impart to his children. But when the Greek philosophy came around, it became one teacher for a multitude of people. What we're doing right now is Greek. This is Grecian influence, not Jewish. Because in the, father, in the home, the father was the one that taught the kids, not the mom. It was the father's responsibility. And now we've left the school system to teach our kids. And the school systems are responsible for teaching them values, for teaching them morals, and teaching them ethics. That's why our world is jacked up. I don't need an English teacher talking to my child about sexuality. I don't need them telling them about my gender identification. What I need is I need fathers and mothers who love their families enough to pour into them and to give them the direction that God created man and woman in his image. The Bible says train a child in the way that they should go. Everyone shout train. train. That word, it's not a one and done thing. When we talk about training, it's dedication, it's commitment. It's setting a path by your own steps. You got to follow me right now. It's actively setting the standard. When we train, I need you to understand that our kids are seeds. It's not a son or a daughter. They're a seed. Our kids are seeds. I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere, all right? Again, I'm laying foundation. Mark chapter 4, verse 31. Jesus is speaking. He says, it's like a mustard seed. Everyone say mustard seed. Mustard seed. 
which is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth, yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch alongside in its shade. I want you to understand that every one of us is a seed. Now, now, whether you've been in the right environment or not, whether you've germinated or not is, is the idea. But every one of us is born with potential. That's why I believe God hates abortion. But pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm not. I'm getting biblical. The, the reality is this is because when we kill a child, we are killing not a, a life. We're killing potential. We're taking a seed and we're killing. We're destroying a seed. That God had an idea for. And so locked inside every seed is a tree. Not just a tree or a plant, but an orchard. Everything that God has locked inside each and every one of us. And it's our responsibility to make sure we get put those seeds in the right environments so that they can become everything God intended them to be. See, I, I need you to recognize a seed rarely gives an indication of its potential. Let me try this side. Here we go. A, a seed rarely gives an indication of its potential. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was a little. Okay, I thought the point was better than what, what I was. Maybe it's the point, not the people, okay? But, but if, I look, if I look at an acorn, I'd never look at that acorn and see an oak tree. Many of us look at our kids and we don't see the potential. We're looking at the package and we're missing out on the potential. When we look at a seed, we don't realize what that seed contains. I want you to understand this morning, listen carefully, never judge a seed's potential by the size of the seed. Never judge the potential of a seed based on its size. And so I want you to recognize there, there's three things that a seed needs very quickly. Number one, you got to recognize the seed's per, uh, a, a seed's purpose. You got to recognize the purpose of a seed. You got to secondly, you got to recognize you got to get that seed in the right environment in order for it to grow. And number three, you got to give it time. And so I want number one, you got to recognize its purpose. If you plant a certain seed, you're going to reap a certain harvest. Amen. I've always said that if you're don't like your harvest, change your seed. If all you're getting is hate back in your marriage, you got to find out what you've been planting in your wife or your spouse. Because whatever you plant is the harvest you receive. I don't know if you're catching this. You see, you're, you're, you're the one that's in charge of your harvest. Because you're the one in charge of your seed. I can't get mad at my seed. Right, right now is planting season, growing season. And, and I go in the backyard and I plant and so forth. And there, there's some seeds that have produced and others that haven't. But I know what I planted. And so I can't plant a zucchini plant and get mad when a zucchini grows. You stupid plant. I feel like corn. 
I want corn. I want sweet corn. I want to make an elote. And I can't do that with the zucchini. But I can't get mad at the plant because I'm the one that planted the seed. And we keep getting mad at God for the harvest that we keep receiving, but you're the one that keeps planting the seed. Until you change your seed, you're never gonna change. You're never gonna change your harvest. Can't get mad at God that your body is, is sick and it's falling apart if you're not sowing to help. Can't get mad at God that your marriage is falling apart if you're not sowing the right seed into your merit. Plant the right seed and you'll get the correct harvest. Number two, you got to get it in the right environment. Each seed has a climate. There's certain seeds that if I plant now, they just don't grow. They, they, they're, they're fall seeds. There's some seeds that if I plant in the fall aren't going to grow because they're spring seeds. My avocado tree doesn't produce until December. Do I pick the fruit? But my peach tree is ready to go usually by July. Different seasons, different fruit. You got to follow me on this, okay? I can plant tomatoes in the spring, but pumpkins in the fall, right? So if a seed's not growing, we got to change its environment. Let, let, me, let me put it to you this way, okay? There was a plant that was thought to be extinct, and when they, they did a search into the pyramids of Egypt, they found this, these seeds in the pyramid of a Judean date palm. And they thought this plant was dead. They thought it was extinct, but they found these seeds, and then these seeds were put inside the scientist's desk. And it sat there for another 60 years until someone found it, and planted it, got it out of the environment of the drawer and put it in the environment of the ground. See, some of you are just in the wrong place right now. You're hanging around the wrong people, doing the wrong things, doing, hanging out with the wrong uh, mindsets, and you're wondering why you're not growing. Listen, it has nothing to do whether you forgot where you came from. It's just that some environments just don't grow certain things. And that plant sprouted. Some of our kids don't grow in certain environments. They don't, they don't grow in the environment of criticism. They don't grow in the environment of hate or doubt. And so we have to change the environment. If they're not growing, it's up to us to get them into the right environment. Now, now let me take it a step further. If you're not growing... And as a pastor, this is hard for me to say. But if you're not growing here, you need to find a church where the word gets you in the right environment of your mind, of your heart, of your family, a place that you could receive. Because if you can't receive from me, you need to find an environment that you could receive so that you could grow. 
and release the potential that's inside you. Oh, come on. That, somebody say amen. 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 Stay with me. N- number three, give it time. It takes time. Uh, listen, I love planting radishes. I hate radishes, but I love planting them. <laughs> Angie loves them, but I, I plant them. Why? Because I feel like I'm a farmer when I plant a radish. Radishes, the moment you put it in the ground, 25 days it takes before harvest. 25 days. It sprouts like in a week, all of a sudden there's greenery there and they grow and you feel like, man. Look at my garden. Get this. Got this. Tomatoes take 90 days. It takes a little longer. All right. Asparagus takes three to six years. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> See, some some of y'all are get some of y'all are, are are blessed because you got radishes for kids. They bloom like that. But some of y'all got asparagus in your family. It's going to take some time for them to plant, for them to grow. But the great thing about asparagus, you cut it and it keeps producing and it keeps producing and it keeps producing. I need you to understand that some of you got tomatoes, you got asparagus, some of you got bamboo. I don't know what you got in your family. But each seed has a growing season. Take, take a look at this. These, I don't buy these kind of seeds. I get a different kind of seed, but I like these seeds because it actually shows the, 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 the maturity date. Look on this next slide right here. Every seed will give you what they call the dates to maturity. So when you plant, you know how long before that thing should, doesn't always, should produce. I believe that God has a maturity date over our lives as well. That we're all seeds just waiting for the right environment. And that's the thing. Some of you are getting frustrated because you're on day 55 and you haven't seen the growth like God wanted in your life. But just like that bamboo that was planted for five years, that five years it grows and does nothing. But on the fifth year, it explodes to 10 feet tall on that fifth year. So I need you to understand that some of you are going through a season. Stay put. Stay planted. Don't move. Find yourself in the right place so that God can bring about your maturity. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. There is a time connected to your harvest. There's a time for your marriage, a time for your kids, a time for your health. There's a time for your spiritual walk. There's a time for your business. There's a time for your family, for your sobriety, for your, for your legacy. There's a time connected to that maturity. Ooh, I'm winded. <laughs> Got to start sowing to my health a little better here. I want to I highlight this as we get ready to close. Exodus 3.15 again, from generation to generation. Amen. Seeds are generational. I was talking with Bill earlier 
My dad's been gone. It's going to come up on three years. He was an avid gardener. When I first bought my house here in San Jose, he showed up, and he planted bulbs, irises, and different flowers. But you don't see anything because they have to be planted months ahead of time. It's funny because what you do, you put bone meal down first, a little soil, and then the bulbs. Well, that bone meal, our dog, my dad spent all day planting all these bulbs in our backyard. The next morning, our dog Roman had a pile of all the bulbs sitting on the deck because he dug them all up going after the bone meal. But something interesting has taken place because he didn't get them all. And every year, although my dad is gone, the seeds he planted still produce every year. I'm enjoying today the seeds my dad planted years ago. Dad, you got to start planning. You got to start planning because there's going to come a time where you're gone. There's going to come a time where they're going to be like, man, I wish my dad was here. But you got to make sure that there's some seed in the ground that your children have the ability to enjoy the fruit of that seed that you plant. That he had the ability to call upon those things that you put into the ground and that they have the ability to pull on those things. Somebody say amen. Here's where I close. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The interesting thing is this. How many remember the story? And I, 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 have, I have it on slides and everything, but I, I got to condense this just because of time. I, I want you to see this, is that when God spoke, Brother Dave, come back up and he'll come back up. When God spoke to Abraham, He spoke to Abraham. Promise is on Abraham. You're going to be a father of many nations. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the heavens and the sands of the sea. And you know what? That's a prophetic word to you because of the fact of the discipleship that you've given to so many. Your, Your sons aren't just biological. They go deeper than that. I want want you to see what happens. In the Word of God, we see in the book of Genesis chapter 22, God tells Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, and sacrifice him. There is no place in the word of God that we read that God told Isaac what God told his father to do. He didn't tell Isaac. He told his father. Offer your son. 
And so they had gone to worship on several occasions. So Isaac was very familiar with worship and the elements of worship. And on their way up to the mountain, he talks to his dad and they're having a conversation. And he asks his dad, dad, here's the, here's the fire, here's the wood, but we're missing something. Where's the sacrifice? Because dad had done a great job instructing son of what the elements of worship were all about. So son recognized when something was missing. When they get up to that place, God never spoke to him. Imagine the conversation. We don't get that conversation. But he has to tell his son, son, I got to kill you right now. Now, I know there's many parents in here that want to kill your kids at one time or another. Come on, don't be lying. But he takes his son. And in order for the son to carry wood, he can't be a little kid. He had to be strong enough to carry that wood up the mountain. Some people think of Isaac as being a little kid, but he wasn't. He was strong enough to carry the wood up the hill. So when dad says, son, I'm going to kill you, sacrifice you unto the Lord. Son could have beat up hundred year old dad, ran away from him and dad would have never caught him. But he didn't because the promise in father had been shared to son. And he's heard all his life that I am the son of promise. 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 That when it came time that he said, my God, who I serve, told me to sacrifice you. you, He had enough trust, not in God, but he had enough trust in his father. This is where things go wrong. Things go wrong in churches, things go wrong in families, is because there's not enough trust in the fathers of the house. We're making decisions without even consulting the father. And the father tells him and he submits to his father. As Isaac is bound by Abraham, Abraham's getting ready to kill him. And right when he's coming down to kill him, the angel of the Lord speaks and says, stop, don't harm the boy. I heard someone say one time, it's not enough to hear what God said. We have to hear what God is saying. Had Abraham acted on what God said, he would have killed the kid. But he operated on what God was saying. When's the last time you heard of thus saith the Lord? 
When's the last time God spoke to you? When's the last time, dads, you've heard God speak to you? I know you heard from him in the past, but have you had a word for the moment, for the crisis that you're in right now? Have you heard God speak in this moment? Have you heard God decree something in this time? What's so cool about this is this, is the father holds off on killing his son. It's then and only then do they hear a sound in the bushes. And there's a ram stuck in the bushes. And he says, that is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. You keep waiting for Jehovah Jireh to show up, but you haven't first acted in obedience. Obedience opened up Jehovah Jireh. You're, you're disobeying God. You're not budgeting. You're not tithing. You're not giving. You're, you're, not, you're not doing the things that you need to do, and you're getting mad at God that you're lacking. Obedience opens up the ram in the bush. Oh, come on, somebody. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. I want you to stand to your feet with me right now. The enemy has put an all-out assault on the Father. Why is that? But if, if the enemy can destroy the role of the Father, he can remove the promise of the Father and the generations that flow from it. And then it makes it difficult for us to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Because when I think of Father, I think of a man who is flawed. For every father, for every mom, for every person here today, you are a seed. Your potential's already been determined who you are, what you are. And you're like, well, Pastor Dan, I, I haven't seen it yet. Well, let's get you the right time in the right environment and let's see God do what he wants to do in your life and reveal who you are. Bow your heads right now with me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here right now and your walk with God is disconnected. You've gone to church, but man, your, your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be this morning. If that's you right where you are, I'm going to ask you the simple question right now. If you were to die now, do you know where you would spend eternity? I want to give you an opportunity to make your peace with God this morning. I'm going to count to three, both online and here at home. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I simply want you to lift your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I just want to commit my life to Christ. Ready? One. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Two. Search your heart right now. Why run from God when all he's going to do is love you when he catches you? As I say this final number, it's not about a church. It's about a relationship with God. Heaven's real, but so is hell. It's a real place. 
And the choices you make today becomes the harvest that you'll receive later. As I say the final number, just lift your hands, left to right, front to back, ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand right where you're at right now. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else over here? God bless you as well. Yes, amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you just to say this prayer with me. Why are we doing this? Is because I, before we take communion, I want to make sure you're right with God. Amen. So just say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you now the way that I am with my sin and with my shortcomings. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day for me. He paid the price he did not owe. He took my cross that I should have died on. His death gave me life. His resurrection gave me purpose. So today, I turn my back on my old life and I make a decision to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give them a round of applause this morning. If you said that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. After service, we're going to lead you off to a room so that we can help connect you with the discipler, a mentor to help you in your walk with God. We want to give you the, the tools necessary to walk this walk out. But right now, let's, let's thank God, our Father, who gave us something called communion. He could have called it anything, but communion, koinonia, means fellowship. God wants fellowship with you. More than you want to be with God, God wants to be with you. As we get ready to take communion right now, I want you to take the bread. And as you hold the bread, I want you to visualize the body of Christ being broken so that your body could be put back together again. So if you're broken in body, mentally, spiritually, physically, you're going through a brokenness right now. As we take the bread, let's believe by faith that you're healed this morning. Go ahead and take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. The power comes from the blood of Jesus. Forgive sin. Gives us a new chance, a new start. Let me just say this very boldly. Your holiness is not enough. You can't be good enough for God's love. That's what the blood of Jesus was all about. The Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags unto God. You know the word filthy rag refers to a woman's menstrual pad? That's what God's saying. Your best day is like that to me. You can never be good enough. I don't care how many churches you've gone to, how much you've given. I don't care how many ministries you've been involved with. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. But he is. Take it by faith. We thank you this morning, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Come on. Lord, I love you this morning. I just thank you for your goodness. Our hearts are stirred this morning, God, to become more like you. Lord God, to become everything that you called us to be today. Lord, we ask forgiveness, my God, if we have wasted away the potential and the seed that you've given to us today. 
whether it be our seed or the children that you blessed us with, or the influence we have at work to our co-workers. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, we ask and we decree that our kids don't have next. Our kids have now. Right now. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name, everyone says. For those of you online, we love you. If you said that prayer for the first time, just go ahead and text the word ALIVE to 408-340-7703. 408-340-7703. Please don't move yet. Just stay right where you are. Bow your heads. As, as For those of you that, that are online, God, until we see each other again, love God, love people, and let's change the world. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.